And I'm Kim. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, the podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and her music. Yeehaw. Hello, and welcome once again to Cowboys Like Us, the only podcast that forgot to write an intro joke. Oh no! (laughs) Yep, totally did. Thought you were going to just come up with it on the fly. Yeah, the only podcast who can't afford improv lessons. Oh, very sad. I thought most improv lessons were free. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we'll pay you. Just come do improv. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you have one? No. Yeah. <laughs> well then, let's move right on. I'm not the jokes man. Yeah, comedy is hard. Today, we are talking about Everything Has Changed, featuring Mr. Ed Sheeran. Originally released on Red, and of course we recorded for Red Taylor's version. But first, got some poll results. We were happy the people voted, and you guys gave it a six. I don't remember what our rankings were. <laughs> I think maybe you gave it a six. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. That seems about right. I think I gave it a seven. So, yeah. yeah. It's close to where we were. Anyway, you have any other pod stuff you want to chat about? I don't think so. All right. Let's just jump right in with the news. News from around the Taylorverse. First up, 1989 Taylor's version is out and it's breaking records. October 27th, 2023 is the new record for the most daily Spotify streams by a single artist. And naturally, that artist is Taylor because everybody was listening to 1989 TV. And other Taylor Duff. The previous record holder was also Taylor back on October 21st, 2022, which was when Midnight's was released. So she broke her own record. You'll love to see it. Indeed. 1989 Taylor's version has not hit the U.S. charts yet. Just the window hasn't worked out that way. But it did debut today, Friday, November 3rd. As we record this podcast, at number one in Australia. Oh. Our uh, friends down under. Yeah. Yep. Well, still cool. Yeah. You know, a lot of cool stuff going on down there, I bet. Koalas, (laughs) kangaroos, giant spiders. They like to hide in your home. I found out today, listening to the Friday special guest episode of New Heights, that Jordan, what's his face? From the Eagles. Jordan, what's his face? Mm-hmm. The Australian one. Oh, my, my Lada, May Lada. My Lada, like yeah. yeah. Um, he's not actually Australian. Is he New Zealand? Technically. He lived most of his life in Australia, but he doesn't have um, citizenship because they don't give it to you just because you were born there and he was born there. But his parents are, or at least one of his parents, is from New Zealand. Oh. So he is technically... A Kiwi. How about that? Did you see that his new song came out today? Him and Jason and their the, third guy. The Christmas. Yeah, the Christmas. Yep. Album. All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. There's going to be a whole album. I think it's not coming on streaming until like December 1st. Though. Yeah, but the single's out. Jordan is on lead vocals. <laughs> Jason is there somewhere. But, yep. But yes. Anyway. Sorry. Little diversion. <laughs> 1989 Taylor's version debuted at number one in Australia. It's Taylor's 12th number one album there, which is good for the third most all time behind Mr. Jimmy Barnes, who I guess is big in Australia, but I've never heard of. I was going to say, never heard of him. And a band you may be familiar with called The Beatles. A little indie band. Yep, they were number two. Yeah. Is It Over Now also debuted at number one. On the Australian singles chart, it is her 10th Australian number one single. But that wasn't all. She also took eight out of the top 10 spots on the Australian chart this week, including the full top four. Is it over now number one? Now that we don't talk number two. Stay Don't Go number three. Slut number four. Style Taylor's version number seven. Suburban Legends number eight. 
Like Space TV number 9 and Cruel Summer number 10. You'll have to see the entire vault on the charts. Yep, people were eagerly awaiting it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Taylor Swift, Queen of Australia, you heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Speaking of royalty, there's a little book that came out recently called Roughing the Princess. For those who aren't super familiar with football, that is a reference to a penalty called Roughing the Passer. Roughing the Princess is an erotica book published by a woman whose pen name is Ivy Smoke, and it is based on Tavis. Though for legal reasons, she does put the disclaimer that any similarities between this book and real people are entirely coincidental, which, yeah. my ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Swifties are big mad because she's doing the thing <laughs> yeah. that Taylor recently said that she hates people doing. Yeah. Sexualizing her relationships and, you know, gossiping about her sex life. Some choice reviews that I pulled from Goodreads of the book. Bleaching my eyes wouldn't even be enough. I'm nauseous. This was so gross. This wasn't real. This was a fever dream. This has to have been. Why was this man jerking off for 90% of the book? (laughs) I gotta read it now. (laughs) I thought I could do this, and it turns out (laughs) I really can't. You can tell it was written in three days. Weird as fuck. And finally, absolutely one of the worst books I've ever attempted to read. Now you've read Fifty Shades. I was going to say, this is not the first time that nonsense like this has taken off. So this is like a whole ass erotica book. But in the past, what we've seen is that people will put fan fiction on like, uh, what's it called? Like AO3 or Wattpad or whatever. Anyway. Right. And then it gets picked up and then they turn it into a book and then they turn it into a movie. It happened with... One Direction fan fiction, except I think the movie fell through because all of the fans were like, absolutely not, we don't support this. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, most notably happened with Twilight fan fiction turned into the Fifty Shades series, which turned into the Fifty Shades movie series. I did read it. That was a different time in my life. <laughs> Much like the first time Twilight came out, you know. It was the popular thing at the time, so I read it. <laughs> And I was, I watched the movies. I never saw the third one, but oh, I watched okay. the other two. But I read all the books. So well, even I... the book, the the fourth book that she put out that was from his perspective. Uh, just like the Twilight books, just like every other book right? Um, in a series like that. Yeah, I have not read any of the Fifty Shades books, and I have not... I made you watch the first one. You did you? make me watch the first one. I basically have no memory of it. Like. Yeah. That's how little it impacted me. I don't think I made you watch the second one, though. I don't think so. But anyway, I did I did read Twilight back in the day, and I did see the films, and I still to this day think about the baseball scene from Twilight <laughs> 1. Incredible. Incredible. That's the peak of cinema. Like, Have you seen the, uh, the little, like, they're like index card size little <laughs> pieces of, like, plastic? And people will take them to where the movie was filmed in, like, Washington, Vancouver area. Mm. And you just, like, hold it up, and it's blue-tinged. And you can, like, look at the high school. Oh, like, it that, looked I get it. Yeah. looked at the baseball field. Like, it looked in the movie. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that, but... It's ridiculous. Yeah. It does have that weird blue tint on it. Yeah. That movie, so... Makes sense. Speaking of Chavis, though, Taylor did not make it. To the Chiefs-Broncos game. Oh, no. Denver. (laughs) She is preparing for the South American leg of the Eros Tour. The first show is November 9th in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. But first, Travis Kelsey and friends had a less than stellar day in Denver. Travis caught six passes for 58 yards and zero touchdowns in a 24-9 Chiefs loss. Yeah. And I say oh no because obviously I love Travis and I support him and I want him to win. But like mentioned last week, my ass was on the line and I really wanted to beat my boss in fantasy. And I did, boys, because Travis and Taylor, they pulled through for me. Hell yeah. They're on my team. They don't play for for my boss. Travis doesn't play for my boss's team. He plays for my team. (laughs) Taylor heard about 
heard this podcast clearly, mm-hmm. heard your call, and did not go to Denver so that Travis would play worse. Yeah, in our group chat, I said, Mother Taylor heard my prayers. That's right. And said, I'm going to help a true Swifty out. You'd love to see it. Yep. Immediately after the game, the clock hit zero, the fireworks went off, and the PA began to play a song called Shake It Off. And everyone had a good time in Denver. Somebody's got a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. You love to see it. Yeah. They they had that one teed up. They were like, if, if they lose, this is what I'm playing. Oh, yeah. They had it all week. If they like, win, this is what I'm playing. Hoping. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what their other choice would have been, but something. Yep. And they got to do it. Good for them. Taylor did, however, fly to Kansas City on Monday. She and Travis were hanging out and doing Halloween stuff. And then Travis and his teammates were going to be flying out to Germany to prep for their game there this coming Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Why do they does the NFL play overseas games? Well, you see, the NFL wants international fans to be fans of the NFL, and they think if they won't come to the football, we will bring the football to them, and then they'll come see it, and they'll be fans. I don't know that that works, but that's what they're doing. Anyway, hmm. we'll see. It's probably going to be like a decades-long effort. See if it takes with any of the young folks there. Yeah. We'll see. A reporter did ask Travis straight up if he's in love with Taylor. And he said, quote, I'm going to keep my personal relationship personal. So very diplomatic presidential answer. He had the goofiest look on his face when they first started asking him about Taylor. They were like, so what's the... Something like, what's the current situation or something? The latest update or something. Yeah, yeah, and he looked like a deer in headlights. And then he was, then he started blushing. And he was like, well, I just saw her last week and whatever. And then they were like, is it love? And he was like, fuck right off. <laughs> and then uh, said something about, oh, is she coming to the game? This, I guess... They met the Germany game. I don't know when this interview was, but... Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Is she coming to the game? And he was like, people start predicting how well I'm going to play based off if she's there or not, so I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) Yeah. I assume she won't be because... No. She's probably either in Argentina or about to be there very soon. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Is it uh? Oh, you said it. It's Sunday. It's Sunday night game. So, I doubt it. Yeah. It'd be a tight turnaround, but yeah. who's to say? The Eras Tour movie was beat out at the box office this week. Dropped to number two behind Five Nights at Freddy's. New horror film based on the popular game about basically, what if Chuck E. Cheese was terrified? <laughs> like it's not already. Yeah, they, you know, Taylor and her team did one final push. Try and get people to come out to keep it up by putting out a special Halloween rate. But, uh. But we didn't go see it, and so it's on us. Yep. We didn't go see it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm open to it. But even at number two, it still continues to bring in money. Now made over $203 million worldwide, continuing to add to its record. But not everyone loves Taylor and what Taylor's been up to lately. Her re-recording project has been attempted before by different artists, including Frank Sinatra, Prince, and JoJo. But... None of them were nearly as extensive or successful as Taylor's Taylor's versions. And now that this has happened, that Taylor is winning hard, the record labels are very, very, very scared. According to Billboard, they are doing everything in their power to prevent something like this from ever happening again. According to Gendar Savour, attorney for several bands, quote, I recently did a deal with a very big indie label that had a 30-year re-record restriction in it, which obviously is much longer than I'm used to seeing. I think the majors are also trying to expand their re-record restrictions, but in a more measured way. They are generally not yet able to get away with making such extreme changes, and yet they have reportedly moved their standard from 5 to 7 years to 10 to 15 years or more. So they are trying to push for longer re-record windows. And another music attorney, Dina LaPolte, said, Now because of all this Taylor Swift shit, we have an even new negotiation. It's awful. We're seeing a lot of perpetuity shit. When we were negotiating deals with lawyers before we would get the proposal, 
we get the phone call from the head of business affairs. We literally would say, if you send that to me, it'll be on fucking Twitter in 10 minutes. And it never showed up. But now it is because of the Taylor Swift shit. I like this lawyer. She just drops profanity all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Fun stuff. Not cool of the labels to try to (laughs) rob artists of more power than they already do. No, and I feel like, yeah, they're not going to get away with this. (laughs) Yeah. It's an upsetting thing because Taylor doing what Taylor is doing is great and good for her. She has the ability to do it, and so she did. And, you know, more power to her. But if the labels succeed in establishing these worse restrictions, you know, the little guys who are just desperate to get a deal aren't going to be in a position to be like, well, I want what Taylor Swift got. I want to own my masters from day one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate. Yep. Capitalism is bad. We don't have time to get into it here, yeah. but that what that is. I yeah. saw a necklace yesterday that I, I absolutely need that said, I think it was from Bobble Bar, I think. But it, it was giant, and it had hot pink letters, and it said, hates capitalism, loves shopping. <laughs> there it is. The, the duality of man. Um, yep. Ooh. Taylor inspired yet another class about her. This one is called Artistry and Entrepreneurship, Taylor's version, and it's going to be offered at California, the University of California, Berkeley, in the upcoming spring semester. According to the syllabus quote, Swift's ability to connect with listeners is unparalleled. Through lyricism, branding, and craft, we will explore how art and authenticity create enduring value and a viable enterprise. The instructor, Crystal Haryanto, as it will be a cross-section of literature, economics, business, and sociology, and I think that we're studying her impact as an artist as a whole. I want to study her literary devices, but also how these literary devices create meaning. The course will include interactive lectures, readings, and listening assignments, and will last 13 weeks. Of course it will. Yep. My question for this instructor, Crystal, is if it's going to be a cross-section of literature, economics, business, and sociology, is it going to to count as a credit for all of those? Because if so, I'm going to go back to school at UC Berkeley and I'm going to knock out so many things (laughs) by my love of Taylor Swift. Yeah, it does seem like it will be interesting talking about Taylor as both artist and businesswoman and how they, how Taylor the artist and the businesswoman have a symbiotic relationship, which is cool. Interesting. And do they? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's the sociology of it all. <laughs> all right. Why do people respond the way they do to Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. Is it over now? You heard it. You love it. I do. It has officially been pushed to radio as the first single from 1989 Taylor's version. Slut was reportedly the initial plan to be the first single. But Taylor and Republic pivoted after the fan response to the Vault songs. People freaked out over, is it over now? Including me, because that song fucking bangs. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, let the people decide. Let the people decide. I understand why they did it. But, like, also, I really wanted her to just be like, fuck radio. We're putting the word slut on there. You know? (laughs) And then she backed out. But because capitalism. <laughs> That's right, man. You gotta ride the wave. Yep. It's like Beyonce said, surfboard, surfboard. <laughs> you know? We be all night. Yeah. All right? Speaking of all night, Argentinian Swifties are hard as fuck. Hell yeah. Hundreds of them have been camped out in tents outside the venue in Buenos Aires since June. And as you know, the concerts... Don't begin until November 9th, six days hence. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yep. Some have been out there since before tickets were on sale. Just in case. (laughs) Honestly, they deserve an award. Yep. But they're not out there all the time. Not each individual person. They, in fact, rotate based on schedules created by two Kimberly-ass motherfuckers who created some spreadsheets and things. The tent folk. Uh, Spreadsheets are Madeline's thing. Yeah. Schedules are my thing, but spreadsheets. Put it in a spreadsheet, that's Madeline. 
There you go. <laughs> the tent folk are primarily women, but no one under 18 is allowed, so have to actually be women, not girls. They've got a ranking system. The more tent time you have, the farther forward you get to be in the pit. How will they enforce that? I can't say for sure. That seems like a, yeah, bad time waiting to happen. Yep. Ugh. I would be skeptical that they could enforce that, but we'll see. One fan named Carmen has reportedly accrued over 300 hours, or 12 and a half days of tent time thus far. Camping during a storm grants you double hours. Rain and drizzle don't count, gotta be an actual thunderstorm, as does spending a full overnight. But now, as of recently, sleepovers have become mandatory at least once a month, alongside a monthly minimum of 60 hours to maintain your spot in the rankings. Okay, I know you said that the schedules of the rotation was created by two people like me, but who exactly put these rules in place? Is it the venue or is it just the fans? It is the fans. It's all mm. these two women. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh no, that's not gonna be good. This is not gonna be good. This is not gonna turn out good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. They have no authority. <laughs> no, they don't. They have no authority. They have hundreds of Swifties. Behind yeah. them, potentially. But they, they if they will agree to abide by what they say. That's also a hundred Swifties that could turn it on them at any moment <laughs> when yeah. they realize that these rules and these like qualifications and these things that they've been earning mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, much like money, nothing actually means anything. You I mean, know? Yeah, but like we just pretend. That's how society works. This is impressive, but it gives me so much anxiety. Yep. I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to do it. <sighs> I wouldn't want to camp. I wouldn't want to be the, the enforcer, the rule maker, the schedule keeper, any of that. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing. Is that, like, they can't actually enforce any of this. Mob justice, I guess, you know. Stab people. They could you get... You gotta do what you gotta do. I was do. gonna say, they could end up getting all of these people kicked out and have wasted months of their time for nothing. Well, we'll just see how it goes. Anxiety. <laughs> we'll see how it goes very soon now. Yep. Two fans, Deborah and Sophia, have created a little side hustle wherein they camp for other people. The people pay them in exchange for them camping and giving them the time. And they charge a rate of 700 Argentine pesos per hour. Deborah and Sophia are the only two winning. In this scenario, they're the only two in this scenario who do not have the potential to lose. That's right. They already got the money. Exactly. So, bam. You have any other news you want to chat about? No, I don't think so. Well, let's dive right in then. To chart watch. On the Billboard Artist 100 chart, Taylor maintained her spot at number one. On the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, Cruel Summer held on to the number one spot. Impressive. Yep, Antihero is up five spots to number 20 this week. And those are the only two songs on the Hot 100. That will soon change. Oh, yeah. Because 1989 TV has not hit this chart yet, but it will on Tuesday. Speaking of charts that 1989 TV is not yet on, Billboard Top 200 Albums, Midnight's is up three spots to number six. Lovers up one spot to number seven. Folklore up two to number 12. 1989, the stolen version is up four to number 15. Speak Now TV down two to number 20. Reputation stays at 21. Red TV is down one to 25. Evermore stayed put at 26. And Fearless TV down five spots this week to number 48. Well, I guess it's time to return to Kimberly's Clown Corner. Kimberly's Clown Corner. All right. Clown Corner. Been a minute. What is up, you fuckers? <laughs> Decided to be back. All right. My sources, and I bet you can figure out what we're talking about based on the sources, are penguinrandomhouse.com, penguin.co.uk, newsweek.com, people.com, hollywoodreporter.com, wikipedia.org, and vanityfair.com. Now, these penguins... Yes. 
they've started a random house. Yeah, and a website. That's interesting. They have a website in the U.S. and a website in the U.K. Really branching out. International. You'll have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this book. I've heard of books before. Yeah. This book has gotten a movie deal. That is a thing that can happen with books, I've heard. Allegedly. This book hasn't come out yet. Well, how did it already get a movie? That's a great fucking question. (laughs) How does anyone know if it's any good? That's a great fucking question. All right. So there's this book called Argyle. Mm, Like the sweater. Yes. Or, you know, a cardigan. But in the pattern... Spelt with one L. Hell if I know. I think it is. I think it's only one L. This is with two because it's a guy's name. So, Penguin Random House's synopsis of the book, Argyle, is, quote, A luxury train beads towards Moscow and a date with destiny. Ooh. A CIA plane downed in the jungles of the Golden Triangle. A Nazi horde entombed in the remote mountains of southwest Poland. Ooh. A missing treasure, the eighth wonder of the world, lost for seven decades. Sounds like a lot going on. One Russian magnate's <laughs> dream of restoring a nation to greatness has set in motion a chain <laughs> of events which will take the world to the brink of chaos. Only Francis Coffey, the CIA's most legendary spymaster, can prevent it. But to do so, she needs someone special. Enter Argyle. A troubled agent with a tarnished past may just have the skills to take on one of the most powerful men in the world. If only he can save himself first. Oh, wow. That was a long synopsis. Yep, (laughs) lot going on. All right. So, Argyle, this book that we just heard about that sounds like James Bond meets Murder on the Orient Express. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Is the first novel by an author named Ellie Conway. Okay. This spy thriller is set to be released as a movie, like we mentioned, starring Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, Samuel L. Jackson, Justin's favorite person, Dua Lipa, mm. Brian Cranston, and John Cena. These are all really big names. They certainly are. This, right? is, a, this is not a small B movie. No, they're expecting it to be pretty big with these people in it. Also should mention... Justin's favorite person, Dua Lipa. Mm. This is her first movie ever. Okay. All right. And this movie is set to be directed by Matthew Vaughn of Kingsman fame. Heard of him. I was going to say, if you've ever seen the Kingsman <laughs> movies, I think there's more than one, right? I saw the first one. I think there's a second one. I may be making that up, but I I'm think sure. there was, yeah, a sequel and also a prequel, oh. I think, as well. Well. I saw the first one. These are a lot of big names to be signed on to a movie adaptation of a book that has not even been released. Yep. The novel was set to come out a couple of times, but the date just keeps being pushed. It's now said to come out in January of 2024, and the movie will premiere in theaters in February and then release to Apple TV Plus at an undetermined date. Yeah, so they're not even waiting to see how the book does, like, at all. Like, they'll have to have it. Already ready to go. Yep. If they're going to turn it around in a month. Yep. And it also, that in itself, the fact that they're not waiting to see if how the book's going to do before they turn it into a movie is another thing to remember. Apple paid $200 million for the streaming rights to the film. A film that is based on a book that is not out. Yeah. They paid $200 million. Sight unseen. Yep. And the film rights were picked up in 2021, two years ago. Yeah, three years before the potential release of the book. Yep. Bonus. There is virtually no information about Ellie Conway. Huh. So, what do we know about Ellie Conway? What do we know? Conway is described by Penguin Random House, again. The penguins have put together a press release. (laughs) The penguins at their house. With their little flippers. Yep, describe Ellie as, quote... The author of the debut thriller Argyle, the inspiration for the upcoming film of the same name. She lives somewhere in the United States and is currently working on the next installment in the series. Well, that's very informative. So this person lives. Somewhere. This person wrote this book. Yep. 
lives somewhere in the United States. Yippers. And is already working on the next installment, even though this one hasn't come out. We don't know if anybody's going to like it, if it's going to be any good, and it's already got an additional, or a movie tied to it. Right. So assuming it's going to be a book series, it's probably going to be a movie series. Yeah. <laughs> this has, this Ellie Conway person has to be someone important. You might think. Yep. You might think. Some random wouldn't get that deal. There's no way. And we will talk about why we're even talking about this. I think I may have an idea. And theories. Based on what this podcast is about. Of one way or another. Okay. So, Penguin's bio also states that Conway was born and raised in upstate New York. Not that she still lives there, but that's where she was born and raised. Right. And that she wrote the novel while working as a waitress in a late night diner. Okay. People like to really take this as fact. And be like, oh, well, it can't be this person because that person's never lived in upstate New York and has never worked in a diner. And it's like, this is, no matter who Ellie Conway actually is, this is obviously a character. Right. So that bit of information about where she was born and raised and where she works is, that's a story. That's fabricated. Like, yeah. Really? You gonna take that as fact? <laughs> <laughs> The penguins are selling you a bill of goods, people. The penguins have created this story. <laughs> but, you know, who else do we know that loves to create a backstory for characters? And give them, you know, lives and childhood. All right. Who um, indeed? <laughs> so, for an author to have a movie, to have movie rights picked up so mm. early for a book they haven't really released yet is a little bit suspicious. A little bit. Other than the publisher's bio of the author, no other information exists on the internet about her. There is an Instagram tied to her name that has no posts. And when you Google the name, the only reference that comes up is for a character from the Australian soap opera, Neighbors. This character's first appearance on Neighbors mm -hmm. was on December 13th. Well, isn't that an interesting date? Taylor Swift's <laughs> birthday. The Hollywood Reporter tried to get in contact with Ellie Conway's publicist and agent, but conversations with their publicist, I believe, went dead when the reporter asked about the author specifically. Mm. So they were happy to talk about the book, happy to talk about the movie, not happy to talk about Ellie Conway. Interesting. I wonder why. Yeah. Telegraph's Jake... Carriage. I think that's his last name. I'm sorry, Jake. Big JC. <laughs> has suggested that maybe Conway doesn't exist at all and that the author and the book are a PR stunt to help launch the film franchise. Yes, Jake, I dare say you're onto something. Yep. That is a solid theory. But we don't come to Sound Corner for solid theories, okay? We don't need solid theories. We will introduce them to have the facts, but we don't need solid theories. <laughs> That's right. When we wear these suits, we have cat pack power. Hell yeah. <laughs> Meow, can we help you? Roar. Okay. <laughs> the movie premise of Argyle reads, Ellie Conway, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Heard of her. An introverted spy novelist who seldom leaves her home is drawn into the real world of espionage when the plot of her books get a little too close to the activities of a sinister underground syndicate. Ooh. While Aiden, played by Sam Rockwell, a spy, shows up to save her, he says, from being kidnapped or killed or both, Ellie and her beloved cat, Alfie, played by Chip, Matthew Vaughn's wife's cat, <laughs> are plunged into a covert world where nothing and no one is what it seems right so so it's a story within a story in the movie bryce dallas howard will be playing ellie conway who has the written author, the book argyle exactly the author of the book argyle and it will be sort of like ellie conway's book and her real life meshing right so it's not the first time something like that has been done. No, but like the premise of the movie is not even the premise of the book necessarily. Like it is, but it isn't. It's not a direct ad adaptation. Right. And we've introduced new characters with the cat. Yeah. yeah. You know, who likes cats <laughs> that we know? So my next question I'm going to pose you pose to you is why the hell are we here? What the fuck does Taylor Swift have to do with any of this? Maybe she's Ellie Conway. Leave it to the clown Swifties to tie Taylor to this project. <laughs> but like the author's name being a character that shows up in a show on Taylor's birthday 
Here are the pieces of evidence that are being used to show the connection between Taylor Swift and Ellie Conway. On the movie poster for Argyle and in the movie, there is a Scottish fold cat in one of those spacesuit bubble carriers where they can look out. Seen them. Yeah. Yep. Alfie, Chip, the cat that we talked about, is reminding Swifties of Meredith and Olivia. Taylor's Scottish fold cats. Yep. Taylor's Scottish fold cats. We also know that Meredith is used to traveling in a carrier like the little bubble ones. Interesting. As seen in Miss Americana. The tagline on the poster reads, quote, Once you know the secret, don't let the cat out of the bag. Cat, again. And also secret. Secret. Secret secret secrets. (laughs) Secret cats. Yep. Bryce Dallas Howard shares a striking resemblance to Taylor. If you say so. (laughs) In the All Too Well short film. Oh. Where she plays an author. So Taylor, in the short film that she wrote and directed and produced about her own song, played an author who had, like, auburny red hair. Right. And goes to, like, a signing in the in the film. Okay. So it, it's kind of suspicious how much she looks like Bryce Dallas Howard in that. Bryce in Dallas that, Howard does have red hair. And how Bryce Dallas Howard looks like her when she's carrying the cat with the red hair. Yeah. Again, we're getting into some real clownery here, so just stick with me. (laughs) During the Eras Tour rehearsals, Taylor shared a picture of herself sitting on the stage in a Conway Studios sweatshirt. This is the studio where she recorded 1989, the stolen version, and read Taylor's version. Clowns now think it was a nod to her novelist alter ego, like she stole the last name from the studio. Oh, that makes sense. Or maybe not stole, but borrowed. Sure. Inspired by? Stole. Borrowed. Yep. Um, to bring Justin's favorite, not Dua Lipa, the 112-day theory into this. Oh, God. <laughs> the movie is currently, it's been moved before, as we talked about, but it's currently set to be released on February 2nd, 2024. Right. Which will be 112 days after October 13th. What when happened on October 13th? The Eras Tour movie premiered. Oh, shit. That is interesting. Oh, now he starts paying attention to the 112-day theory. <laughs> well, because the thing with the Taylor's versions is it doesn't really matter to me. Like, it's going to come out at some point. Sure. And I know that. Sure. Whereas this, we don't know, so it's interesting. Right. You know? It falls into the theory, though. Yep, it does. It works with the 112 days. All right. So, the Twitter... For the Argyle movie is either messing with Swifties on purpose or being really fucking obvious. They have taken to using TS lyrics in their promo tweets. Oh. A little clownery suggestion from myself. If the movie rights were picked up in 2021, mm-hmm. that means that this book was originally being written because, again, we heard that Ellie Conway is already on to the next one. Right. This one's completely done. Yep, allegedly. This book was being written during the pandemic, most likely. Seems that way. Taylor has been pretty transparent about how much she didn't like not having anything to do or to work on. She made two albums. Exactly. Well, but still, (laughs) during that time. So because of that, we got Folklore and Evermore, like you mentioned. But she stays so busy all of the time in the, quote, normal world. Writing and recording and releasing music. I don't think it would have been out of the question for Taylor to take up writing a spy novel while also recording, producing Folklore and Evermore. There you go. If anything, it would fill in the little gaps of time (laughs) that she had left over. And we know she likes to stay busy. Yeah, and I mean, she was quarantined with Joe, but you know he wasn't hitting it, right? So she had plenty of time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was probably making her sad the whole time anyway, so... Yeah, unlike Beyonce, he don't be all night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He don't be. Yeah. Okay, so Vanity Fair seems to think that we will just blindly trust their, quote, sources. And have taken the hard stance that Ellie Conway is not Taylor. But they are just one news source who apparently thinks their word is gold. Yeah. Who the hell do you think you are, Vanity Fair? 
Their whole article was like, Ellie Conway is not Taylor Swift. Here's why. And then you click on the article and you read the article and it's like, because we have a source who said it's not her. Yes, we do. We have a source. You wouldn't know her. She goes to another school. Yeah. In Canada. In Canada. That's right. Where my girlfriend also lives. Yep. So, believe what you want. I think that my pitch is a pretty good one. But you could also believe our friend Jake. Wasn't that his name? <laughs> I think so. It could just be a PR stunt. That's also an option. But if you like to clown, maybe, maybe there are so many coincidences because Ellie Conway is Taylor Swift. But again, just a little wrap up. In TikTok user at Chloe and Percy's video about this theory, she shared, shared a sentiment that hit home with me as a clown myself. And I think it sums up this whole thing pretty well. She states, quote, I know for some it's going to seem like a massive reach, but Taylor Swift has turned us Swifties into armchair detectives by planting details and clues about her upcoming works in music videos on clothing with her emoji usage everywhere. A mind like that who is constantly trying to create mystery and think of new ideas to keep people guessing could absolutely write a spy novel. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Ellie Conway is Taylor Swift, but I also wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't. Well, that's quite a hot take. Thank you for that. <laughs> that's what it, that's welcome to Clown Corner. I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor was doing blank, but I also wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll all find out in 2024. Yes, Presumably. Sir. Presumably. Hopefully. Maybe we won't. We'll yeah. see. They have started releasing actual trailers for the movie, though, so I think whether we get the book or not, the movie's coming. Oh, it's coming. I saw a commercial on TV the other day. Oh, I had only seen them online. And I was like, oh, is that dual? And it was. All right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for that trip to the circus. But now let's move on. Everything Has Changed was originally released on Red back in... 2012, and re-released on Red Taylor's version. It was written by Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran, and it was produced by Butch Walker. This is the first time we've mentioned Butch on the pod, but he has been in several bands. He's released 10 solo studio records and produced for a variety of artists, mostly in the rock punk space. Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, All Time Low, Bowling for Soup, Avril Lavigne, Green Day, Pink, Katy Perry, Weezer Train, Carly Rae Jepsen, The Main, A, and a whole lot more. He's one of those guys who is around doing music stuff. Wow. Yep. But if you don't pay attention to production credits, you might not know much about him. I've never heard of him. <laughs> but he's around. Chart Info, the original version of Everything Has Changed, made it to number 32 on the Hot 100, and the Taylor's version made it to number 63. It was the sixth single released from Red. Out of a total of seven, it went double platinum in the United States, platinum in the United Kingdom, and Australia, and gold in New Zealand. What has Taylor said about this song? We... For real, we're sitting on my trampoline in my backyard because we had been writing a song and I was like, hey, I just got a trampoline. You want to see it? And so he brought the guitar for some reason. We ended up writing an entire song out there. For portions of the song, we were bouncing around because it's a trampoline and it's fun. Indeed. And the combined maturity level of us both is eight years. It's about falling in love. It's about meeting someone and all of a sudden your entire perspective on the world changes. You're thinking for two instead of one. Indeed. Trampolines are fun. <laughs> she really got lost in that story for a moment. <laughs> and the reason Ed brought his guitar out to the trampoline is because Ed is the guy who brings his guitar everywhere he goes. Yeah. He comes to the party. He comes with his guitar you know, it's a safety blanket. You're trying to watch football or whatever, and he starts picking Wonderwall, and he's having a good time. With it. <laughs> Critical reception. According to Billboard, quote, thematically, this is swift at her most familiar and cliched, but Sharon's tender harmonies lend the song some much needed depth. LA Times called it a well constructed pop song. New York Times said it was less detailed and more rushed than her usual fare. An edgeless collab with a British mope rock softie. 
You had to do the man like that. New York Times, you're supposed to be the paper of record. Editorializing a bit. Digital Spy said that it's nothing we haven't heard before. A cutesy folk pop ballad armed with a lighter waving chorus. NME called it disappointing in every way. The Edmonton Journal called it one of Taylor's weaker songs. And the Irish Times called it a desperate attempt for Taylor to reach new audiences. A typically slushy ballad. That is a compliment for the Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I'm just going to hit your star to Ed Sheeran. Let him take her to the Irish people. To the moon. To the moon. Sorry. Sheeran is Bing Bong from... Oh, no. From that movie. Very sad. Justice for Bing Bong. Inside out. That's what it was. Inside out. Yep. Justice for Bing Bong, man. R.I.P. He was too good for this world. (laughs) Gone too soon. Fan reception. Do the fans like it? Rob Sheffield apparently had nothing to say about it, but ranked it at 130. Big boy Rob. (laughs) And r slash Taylor Swift ranked it at 18 out of 29 tracks in their red Taylor's version Survivor. Yep. So pretty mid for both both of those ratings. Rob's a little bit slightly below mid. R slash Taylor Swift, but lower still. Yeah. Let's get to the lyrics. Verse number one. All I knew this morning when I woke is I know something now, know something now I didn't before. And all I've seen since 18 hours ago is green eyes and freckles and your smile in the back of my mind making me feel like I just want to know you better. That's what that next line (laughs) is. You better. You better. Yep, that's the pre-chorus. But anyway, in verse number one, we learn that the speaker has been living a sad, lonely life. She meets someone new, and there is a little spark. I do think it would be really funny if you you read this, like, without the music, without who it's by, who sings what, you know, whatever. Sure. You just you just said, hey, what's your reaction to the fact that the, fir- the opening line lines of a song is all I knew this morning when I woke is I know something now. <laughs> Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. <laughs> um, people say that, Taylor, because you say that, Taylor. Yep. <laughs> I know something now. Hooray! <gasps> yep. Yeah. Yeah, but pretty standard. Laying the groundwork. Maybe they'll fall in love. We'll see. We'll see. Seems that way. Seems it's headed that way. She's thinking about him. Chorus. Because all I know is we said hello, and your eyes look like coming home. All I know is a simple name, and everything has changed. All I know is you held the door. You'll be mine, and I'll be yours. All I know since yesterday is everything has changed. So, your eyes look like coming home. That's a great line. I like that one a lot. When she looks into his eyes, it's familiar. It's comforting. Puts you at ease in a chaotic, scary world. But beyond that... Ties into the singer's feeling that while technically she just met this person, in a way, it feels like she was always meant to meet them, so she's always known them. And I remember feeling similarly about you, Kimberly. Similarly about Kimberly. <laughs> yep. I felt... Uh, That's how my brain read that. <laughs> felt right away like we had known each other way longer than we had, you know? Just felt easy, you know? I felt Comfortable. Right away. I felt right away like I was going to shit my pants and vomit at the same time. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about like night one, but, you know. Oh. <laughs> okay. soon. I thought that's what you meant. Soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, soon. Yeah. I don't connect with many people that well, that quickly, so. Me. Me. you. you. Verse two. I was going to oh. interject. Yeah. Just one thing has nothing to do with us. <laughs> I don't have enough evidence other than a gut feeling based on what I know, but not enough to compile a clown corner or for a swiftery lesson on this yet. So so we'll get to him on another song. We've mentioned before when Mr. Harry Styles and I'm pretty sure this song is about him. Um so you have freckles? I mean yeah probably some. He's British. <laughs> in it are British people known to have freckles or not known to have freckles? What was that? <laughs> Irish people are known to have freckles. Well, he's not Irish. Nope. Ed Sheeran's family is Irish, but he's not Irish. Anyway, so yeah, 
I'm just it, inserting my bias a little bit. Uh, I think the song is about Harry Styles. You don't have to think it's about Harry Styles, but... Maybe it is. A little bit of evidence is there. <laughs> it certainly could be. She does mention, in 1989, green eyes a ton. I was going to say, he does have green eyes. <laughs> That's like the one thing yeah. that she talks about. Yeah. His eyes are green. He does have green eyes. Verse number two. And all my walls stood tall, painted blue, and I'll take them down, take them down, and open up the door for you. And all I feel in my stomach is butterflies, beautiful kind, making up for lost time, taking flight, making me feel right. Ed's been through some heartbreak in his life. This is his verse. Causing him to build big walls around his heart so that nobody can get in and hurt him again. He's protecting himself. He's built up a hard shell. Blue is the sad color. I don't know why. We collectively decided that as a society, but we did. Blue means sad. But he's met somebody new, and because of their connection, he's willing to take his walls down, to open the door, and let her in to his heart. Because the potential for love is worth the potential heartache. Uh, making up for lost time. There's that theme again. Why couldn't we have met sooner? Everything up until our meeting feels almost like wasted time. But the fact is, and I'm here to tell you children, if you met the person you're supposed to meet earlier than you were supposed to meet them, it might not work out as well as you'd hope. You weren't always you and they weren't always them. We are shaped by our lives and our experiences and the mistakes that we go through and overcome. So don't yeah. try to skip to the end. Yeah, I think fundamentally. God bless the broken road. <laughs> that led me straight to you. <laughs> Rascal Flats. I think it's hard. The the thing. <laughs> I'm just worried that the baby thinks that people can't change. <laughs> So I think the idea that people can or cannot change, whichever side of the fence that you stand on. We're getting deep and totally away from the lyrics for a moment. <laughs> Philosophy. Yeah. Yep. I think that no matter where, where you stand on it, there's a, there is a middle ground. You can stand on top of the fence, which is where I, I live, <laughs> which is like fundamentally you're always going to be the same person. Okay. Yeah. You're at your core. Yeah. You're the same person. Yeah. But there is definitely surface to like, what's it called when you go slightly under the surface? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a word I'm trying to think of, but I can't think of it. Anyway, there are a few layers where you can change, you can make mistakes, and you can grow from it and stuff. Ogres and are like onions. Exactly. You got to get like through some of the ogre layers Yeah. before you become a beautiful princess. No matter who you are. So, all that to say is I 100% agree that making up for lost time is good in theory, but in agreement with what you said. Yeah. If you and I had met when, well, it would have been weird when you were in high school. I would have been in middle school. (laughs) It would have been weird. Yeah. Potentially even elementary school. uh, That's taking it to a weird place. (laughs) You hate to use a word like pedophilia. (laughs) You hate to use it. But... If we had met when I was, like, early college and you were in grad school, yeah, I don't think it would have worked. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. I was not in a good place mentally. I was going through some very severe depression. I was hammered drunk for a full year and a half, like, more than anyone ever has been or will be again, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, not in a good spot. I was definitely not emotionally mature enough to date someone that much older than me, nor, even though I was anyway, nor deal with where I know you were in your life at that point. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's good they worked out the way it did. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. That's right. Under the bridge, come back and tell me why, feeling like I've missed you all this time, and meet me there tonight. Let me know that it's not all in my mind. Same thing again. Or, to put it another way, before you came into my life, (laughs) I I missed you so bad. I missed you so bad. I missed you so, so bad. (laughs) Carly Rae Jepsen, call me Mamie. You're welcome. On to the outro. (laughs) Kimberly hates 
fun. I was going to say, in case you didn't know, um, one of the like more unfortunate things about our marriage is that Justin really loves Carly Rae Jepsen, and I really don't. So Justin is not above just blatant bubblegum pop if it bangs. I'm good with it. A catchy hook is a catchy hook, and I'm with that. And I'm not ashamed of it. So there you go. I was into her when she first came out. Like Opposition to Carly Rae Jepsen is homophobic. I said it. I said it. <laughs> the first album was good. I don't feel bad about it. Okay. On the outro, all I know is we said hello. So dust off your highest hopes. All I know is pouring rain and everything has changed. All I know is a newfound grace. All my days, I'll know your face. All I know since yesterday is everything has changed. Everything. Pouring rain. Bad times, right? Much like blue. We've decided rain is sad. It's the sad weather. But they're dusting off their highest hopes because they think that the sunshine might finally be a-coming. Breaking through the clouds at last. Grace is a complicated word. It has a simple sort of everyday meaning. Something akin to elegance or the ease of doing something. But it is more complex as a religious concept. In Christianity, which some of us here were raised in, but... Some of us. Have... <laughs> as in both of us. Yep. Have gained distance <laughs> from... As we've grown, God gives grace to all the people of the world who confess their sins and accept him into their heart. It's not a thing that's earned by people. It's given freely because it is in God's nature. All you have to do is accept it. Now, if Taylor is trying to use the religious meaning of grace in this song, which I personally think she is, then the line becomes much more interesting than otherwise. She perceives herself as unclean, stained, tarnished by her previous relationship, Jake Gyllenhaal, John Mayer, you know what you did, and the foibles therein. But her new love makes her feel clean and pure again, sanctified like a virgin touch for the very first time. That's Madonna for you. Taylor, like so many of us who grew up in the church, may have had some real hangups to deal with about romance and sex and purity culture. And we yeah. see that a little bit right there, I think. And the fact that the most probable person that she lost her virginity to also ended up treating her like absolute shit. Yep. We know that feeling, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that feeling, girl. We're right there with you. Indeed. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, pouring rain equals bad times for Taylor until she's dancing in it in her best dress, fearless. You know what I mean? That's right. Because love... Makes her fearless. Yeah. And then the other thing I was going to say is foible briggers. Foible. <laughs> foible briggers. Yep. Foibles briggers. Oh, man. That was, that was unfortunate. Yeah. That's all I was saying in my head. Waiting for you to finish that line. Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's get into the sort of overall thought on the song. Kimberly, I've just talked aloud. Would you like to go first? Sure. I could go first. To honestly admit my bias, first time I heard this song, I was in the peak of my British Invasion era. Mm. Ed was at the top of my list. I was obsessed with his friendship with Taylor. I was obsessed with him. I was obsessed with his friendship with the One Direction boys. I was obsessed with One Direction. There was no way that I was going to dislike this song when it first came out or any time in my life. And I think that nostalgia blinds me a little bit. But still bops. Good song. And every time I listen to it, I'm transported back to 2012, whether I like it or not. Indeed. I think that's all fair enough. I have not gone through a British invasion phase in my life. I admire lots of British cultural exports, to be sure. But, yeah, I've never been obsessed with it in the way that I think you were. I was in a deep, boys. My room was decorated. I had a Union Jack flag. I say I had. I might still have it. I may have gotten rid of it. I don't remember. But um, it was British, London, everything. Union Jack, everything. I was obsessed. In it? In it. Yeah, I didn't have that. And perhaps that is why I have never felt a particular fondness for Ed Sheeran and his mopey-ass music. Now, I would like to say, point out, that he has, over the years 
expanded from his, you know, sad Moby Man with guitar to some actual pop music with synths and, you know, a little more, little more upbeat compositions at times. And I appreciate him doing that because his early shit was basically Elliot Smith levels of mope and I wasn't here for it. I think that is so funny because I feel like I'm the exact opposite. Like his radio hits these days, I'm like, I'm so here for. I'm here for anything Ed Sheeran does. I love him still to this day. But I go back and listen to his edition album, his first album that came out in the US. And I'm just like, what happened? Where did this Ed go? He doesn't make music like this anymore. Yeah, he used to be a little folk boy, and you liked that because you... But it was like folk rap. (laughs) Yeah. It was fun. But I do like folk music, and you hate me for it. (laughs) I don't hate you for it. I don't even really hate folk music. I'm just not a big fan. But Ed did not appeal to me back in the day. He doesn't really appeal to me now, although he has expanded his sound. Respect to him. But this song, Everything Has Changed, is a perfectly fine song. I skip it usually when I do my red re-listens, but having listened to it recently for this episode, I can admit that it is a solid, well-constructed pop song like one of our critical sources said it was. You know, it's certainly never at any point below competent. Even before Ed was writing dope pop songs for himself, he was writing dope pop songs for other people. What a guy. So... This one included. I did like his his real big, like, incel song about how he wanted to bang Ellie Goulding, but then she didn't bang him. <laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> That's a fun one. You couldn't have handled it, Ed. You couldn't have handled it. You would have... Nobody's outkicked their coverage that hard before, and if you had successfully done it, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. Okay, so his side of the story is that they were actively banging... Or not like, not like in the act, but like they were dating. Right. And she cheated on him. Yes. With another one of my favorite artists that we're not going to (laughs) name. And to hear her side of the story, they hung out like twice and he took it as they were in a relationship. (laughs) Yes. And I tend to believe Ellie's story. Sure. I don't know. It is a hilarious song. Yeah, it is. It's a hilarious song. Let's get to our ratings. I think. I think it's that time. For those of you who may not know, we rate every song on a 1 to 10 scale. 1 is very bad, 10 is very good. 5 is very mid. Kimberly, how do you rate Everything Has Changed featuring Edward Sheeran? I am giving it a 7. Ed Sheeran, much like Taylor Swift. Heard of her. Is one of the greatest songwriters of our time. Hard Fuck stance. Out of here. Hard stance. Period. <laughs> is this the best song he's ever written or featured on? No. No. But it's great. Yes. No question. It is great. <laughs> it was a question. Okay. <laughs> it was a question. All right. But well, aside from what is basically one of the most offensive statements anyone's ever made. <laughs> I think seven is is not an unreasonable score, but for me, I'm going to give it a six. It's better than mid, that's for sure. It's pleasant to listen to, uh, you know, it's got a nice little hook to it. But if I never heard this song again, if it were to just cease to be available for me to listen to, that would be fine for me. I would I would be cool with it. So for me, it's a six. It's It's fine. It's fine. If you'd like to tell us how you rate Everything is Strange, you can vote in the poll, which is going to be in the episode description of this episode in Spotify. And it will also be on our social medias. We are on X, and we are on Instagram, and we are on threads at C-B-L-U underscore podcast. Yes. Go there and vote. And while you're there, smash that follow button or whatever the buttons are now. Who knows? Follow us, subscribe to us, be our friends. I don't know. We've never said this before, but also like rate and review us if you like us. That's right. Like and subscribe. You know. Like and subscribe. But I mean, you know, give us a, a rating. I won't I won't tell you what rating to give us. I though. will tell you. Give us five stars. <laughs> if you don't want to give us five stars, that's fine. Just don't rate us. <laughs> don't rate us. But if you do want to, rate us five stars. 
That's and right. tell your friends. And tell your friends' friends about our podcast. That's right. Spread it like the plague. What is our song for next week going to be? Ivy. That's right. Ivy from Evermore. A tale of adultery. Adultery. Oh, is it a good song? We'll find out next week. <laughs> is it a good song? What does it know? Let's find out. <laughs> Kimberly, do you have anything else to add before we get out of here? I don't think so. All right. Well, we will see you next week to talk about Ivy. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on Instagram, Threads, and X at CBLU underscore podcast. Email us directly at cowboysliceuspodcast at gmail.com. New episodes every Monday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all come back now, you hear?